It's been quite some time since I've covered the topic of park rangers, and I thought it was definitely time that I get back to seeing what's going on in those spooky state and national parks. So today I'm going to be sharing these creepy, allegedly true, and downright strange park ranger horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis, and it's very much appreciated. As always, I would be very grateful if you would slap that like button a little bit and subscribe if you're new as it helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. Now, I found this little shot, and it improved my mornings so much. Being a caffeine head, I absolutely was just drinking way too many energy drinks, way too much coffee. Anything with caffeine would do it for me. But now, I love that I can take this with me anywhere and drink it whenever I need a quick energy boost. I take it because it's easy to incorporate into my morning routine. It actually tastes pretty good. And surprisingly, this thing helps me. And I haven't had the craving for caffeine quite as much. Ever since I've started drinking Magic Mind, it's become my best friend and honestly it's just something that I live by my favorite thing honestly is the mental energy and the focus that it gives me and honestly I've noticed a lot less stress and anxiety I've been sleeping a little bit better and honestly I feel like it's been helping my memory and also the best thing about magic mind is the ingredients they have the best natural ingredients sourced from the best suppliers they could possibly find no sugar nut free vegan keto paleo friendly there's all kinds of cool stuff in it but my favorite is the cordyceps mushrooms not from the last of us but a powerful one nonetheless an adaptogen that reduces inflammation strengthens your immune system and supports higher energy levels and physical endurance by ramping up the production of ATP in your mitochondria and we know that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell in this swamp so what are you waiting for join me and many others in the swamp today go to magicmind.com slash dark swamp and get up to 56% off your subscription for the next next 10 days with my code darkswamp20. Again, go to magicmind.com slash darkswamp and get up to 56% off your subscription for the next 10 days with my code darkswamp20. The Whispering Pines Event by Anonymous I've always been drawn to the tranquility and beauty of the great outdoors. So I decided to become a park ranger in a small, rural state park known as Whispering Pines. Nestled deep in the heart of the dense forest, the park was a haven for hikers and nature enthusiasts alike. Little did I know it was also a haven for something much darker and more sinister. I had heard the rumors about Whispering Pines long before I accepted the job. People talked of strange occurrences, eerie voices in the wind, and shadowy figures that wandered through most of the night. Most dismissed it as superstitious nonsense, but I couldn't help but be intrigued by the stories. I figured it probably all was just down to local legend, and I was determined to prove the skeptics wrong. My first few weeks as a park ranger were actually quite peaceful. I spent my days patrolling the serene trails and ensuring the safety of visitors. The park seemed like any other, with the rustling leaves and the chirping of birds providing a soothing backdrop to my working environment. But as the days turned into weeks and summer transitioned into fall, I noticed oddities I couldn't quite explain. One chilly evening, 
I was finishing my rounds when I heard it for the first time. A soft, haunting whisper carried on the breeze, just barely audible over the sound of my footsteps. I stopped dead in my tracks trying to make out the words. The voice, it sounded distant and mournful, as if it were calling out to me from the shadows. My heart raced as I scanned the darkening forest, but no one was in sight. I brushed off the experience as a trick of the wind, but the whispers continued to haunt my nights in the park. I heard them when I was alone in my cabin, their ethereal tones seeping through the wooden walls. They echoed through the trees as I walked the trails, making me feel like I was being watched at every moment. The park that had once felt like my home now seemed like a foreign, foreboding place. As the whispers grew louder, other strange occurrences began to take place. I stumble upon ancient, weathered totems and symbols etched into trees. They seemed to have no rhyme or reason, but their presence sent shivers down my spine. The wildlife, once abundant, started to slowly disappear, leaving an eerie silence in its wake. The park's beauty had turned into a nightmarish landscape. One moonless night, as I patrolled the park alone, the atmosphere grew thick with an oppressive darkness. I knew I wasn't alone, and the fear gnawing at me for weeks finally erupted. I could hear footsteps that weren't mine, rustling leaves that couldn't be attributed to the wind, and the chilling laughter of children echoing through the trees. But when I shone my flashlight into those dense undergrowth areas, no one was ever there. Dread settled in as I realized that the stories of whispering pines were not just tales but a living nightmare. It was as if the forest had come alive and evil forces intent on driving me away were just tormenting me. But I was a park ranger, dedicated to my duty and I couldn't abandon my post of course. I began researching the park's history, searching for clues about its dark past. It was then that I stumbled upon an old dusty journal hidden in the back of the ranger station. This was a diary that belonged to a former park ranger, and its entries chronicled a descent into madness. The ranger wrote of the whispers, the symbols, and the strange figures that had tormented him until he had disappeared without a trace. Terrified by what I had read, I knew I had to confront whatever dark presence dwelled within the whispering pines. Armed with the knowledge from the journal, I ventured deeper into the park, following the whispers to a long-forgotten clearing. There, I found a circle of weathered stones, their surfaces etched with symbols that matched those I had discovered on the trees. As I stood in the circle center, the whispers grew more insistent. The shadows around me seemed to take form, merging into a group of ghostly children. They giggled and sang songs from a bygone era, their voices filled with otherworldly sorrow. I knew I had to do something to break the curse that had plagued Whispering Pines for centuries. With trembling hands, I recited the words from the journal, calling upon the spirits to release their hold on the park. The children's laughter turned to cries, and the symbols on the stones began to glow in an eerie light. The ground trembled and the forest came alive with a furious wind. In a blinding flash, the spirits were gone and Whispering Pines fell silent. The whispers faded and the symbols on the trees vanished leaving the park in an eerie calm. I knew that I had done something. I don't know if it was what I needed to do, but that experience taken a whole toll on me. I don't know how much of it was hallucination from being overly tired or just from being incredibly anxious, 
But I do know that this was not my imagination. Whispering Pines was once a place of beauty and serenity to me, but it's been forever changed in my eyes. I confronted the darkness that lurked within. I had survived to tell the tale, but the memory of that night, it'll forever haunt that state park for me. It'll never leave my mind, my memory. It's forever etched in there. But let me remind you, there is a constant reminder of otherworldly forces that can exist even in the most tranquil of places. The Yellowstone Cult by Skazbaum For this story specifically, it is necessary to explain the general area that this happened in for this event. I live next to Yellowstone National Park, which, in itself, has drawn millions of tourists a year, for who knows how long. Part of the reason I am writing this is a warning to people who decide to visit during the summer months. A couple of years ago, in the summer of 2020, some of my buddies decided to have a night out and do some camping out near a spot we had been to multiple times. After all, this was right after things started to become normal again and lockdowns were starting to become lifted. I headed up to the camp spot early to make sure my gear was still set up from earlier that day. I did this to reserve the place because it's first come, first serve. Therefore, with everything in hand, I left my house right before sunset. We were all supposed to meet up within the hour, so I didn't have any concerns about being by myself. I then began my 30-minute drive up to the location, when I finally arrived, I immediately noticed my tent and everything inside was gone. Now for some context, I staked the tent down in multiple areas to be sure it stayed for the period I was gone. Inside was my sleeping bag and a few other miscellaneous items I just left over to keep it weighted down. However, everything, literally everything, disappeared as if it was never there. I looked around and even the stakes and rocks placed outside were missing. I immediately knew something was wrong because I did not see any campers on the way up either. Also, remember, I do not have cell service as it's a few miles back into the wilderness. I then decided to drive back down from where I came to get assistance, get a hold of my friends, and let them know what happened. Last, I was unhappy with the situation and knew that whoever had taken my belongings had to still be in the area as they had only been there for about an hour or two. However, my friends insisted that I stay and at least hang out a few hours and... Honestly, it took weeks of planning, so I, I caved and I stayed. Once I made sure everyone arrived, I decided to go around the area in search of any sign of footprints or indication that these people were close by. And as you can guess, I wasn't able to find anything. I eventually played it off and decided to look for it in the morning and contact the forest service to report it missing. I also didn't want to ruin the party for everyone else and decided to stay. In hindsight, this was one of the worst decisions I could have ever made. As the night went on, everything seemed fine, so I thought. Around 1 or 2 in the morning, most of my friends called it a night. I ended up sleeping in my truck. This was perhaps one of the better decisions that I made that night. Always bringing my bear spray and a sidearm for protection from unexpected guests. I eventually fell asleep, however, it was important to note that I was still a bit on edge as it was only a couple of hours before all of my belongings got taken. I decided to leave my window rolled down just a little bit just in case if I could hear anything creep up on us in the middle of the night. After about two hours of being asleep, my worst nightmare came true. At first, 
I just heard something moving around outside the perimeter of the camp. This was enough noise to wake me up, and I immediately froze and didn't move. Therefore, this was partially because I knew whatever was making that noise had to be large, not just a raccoon or any smaller creature. I then was paralyzed and just listening intent to whatever was happening outside of my camp. My first thought that it had to be a bear, right? We had had sightings and reportings recently in the area. At one point, it could have only been 20 to 30 yards away. Also, another critical point I noticed was that there were no other noises. Usually, there would be some sort of grasshopper or bird making a noise, but it was completely and utterly silent. Now, in the wilderness, that's never a good sign. It means there's a large predator or something in the area. Meanwhile, it was pitch black outside, and our fire had gone entirely out. After about 15 minutes of not hearing absolutely anything, I decided I just was... I was just being paranoid and I needed to stop. But as I was about to fall back asleep, I saw something to the right of our campsite. It was just a few yards away from our fire pit about 20 yards from me. To my absolute horror, it was a person. I immediately freaked out. This was no average person either, let alone the fact that it was 3 or 4 in the morning and you're in someone's campsite deep in the wilderness. This person was wearing what I only made out to be some kind of mask. I got a perfect look at whoever this was. It was a deer skull on their face. They were wearing a black robe, and that's about all I got to notice. I didn't want to leave my truck and confront this person, so I did what I thought was best. I turned on my truck and began honking the horn until all my friends were awake. I rolled down the window and told them we needed to leave immediately. After seeing what I saw, I did precisely that. Meanwhile, this person hasn't moved, mind you. Just as I thought it was terrible, the situation got even worse. More of these figures began appearing in front of us through the trees, wearing the same outfits, and I don't even know how to explain the mass. They were amalgamations of deer skulls and other animal skulls. I immediately put my truck into reverse and began speeding away like a bat out of hell. They began walking closer and closer, but luckily I could drive out of there just in the nick of time. As I began to speed down the road out of there, Three more figures appeared from the side of my truck, this time with a dog, and they were way more aggressive than the previous ones I saw. They began throwing rocks and sticks and chasing after me. At one point, they were right next to my passenger window until I accelerated a bit more and eventually lost them. Looking back in my mirror, I only saw one figure left, just simply peeking and staring at me behind a tree. The image is forever seared into my head. From that night on, I refused to ever go back up there. I've never spoken to anyone about this. Even when I was around friends who experienced similar things, I never really mentioned it. It's been over a year now since this happened, and well, all I can say is that I believe these people were in some sort of cult. I've heard other stories about similar happenings happening around Yellowstone. Apparently cattle completely disappear, apparently fences are completely removed. It's just very odd and weird happenings like this that aren't necessarily explainable, but apparently there are these weird cults that are doing it. I don't know what you guys believe, but I've seen it for myself. There is something wrong with Anastasia State Park by Saraya G. I was feeling adventurous and decided to explore the Anastasia State Park independently. I had heard it was beautiful with stunning ocean views and dense forests. The day was perfect for an outdoor adventurer like myself, 
with the sun shining and a gentle breeze blowing. However, as I began my journey, I noticed how quiet it really was around me. The only sounds I could hear were the rustling of leaves under my feet and the occasional bird making some sort of chirping sound. I walked for a couple of hours, taking in the breathtaking scenery around me. But as the sun started to set, I realized I had lost track of time and honestly had no idea where I had ended up. I tried to retrace my steps as best as I could, but every direction I turned seemingly looked the same. I started to feel anxious and got a bit scared. The forest had become dark and the silence had been peaceful earlier, but now it almost seemed deafening. The rustling of leaves now sounded like footsteps behind me. I tried my best to stay calm. I tried to call out for help, but my voice echoed through the trees without any response. Then, the forest darkness started to play tricks on my mind, and I could swear I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. My heart was racing, and I started to run, hoping to find my way back to civilization. But as I ran, the forest only seemed to get darker and more ominous. I could hear strange noises and whispers, but couldn't quite make out what they were saying. I stumbled upon an abandoned cabin after some time, and my relief was only short-lived as I noticed the door was slightly ajar. As I pushed the door open, the smell of decay filled my nostrils. I could see that the cabin had not been inhabited for quite some years, but I noticed fresh blood on the walls. I knew I had to leave and I had to get out of there fast. I ran out of that cabin and into the darkness of the forest once more. I could hear the footsteps behind me again, and I knew that I was being pursued. I tripped and fell, and as I looked up, I saw the shadowy figure looming over me. The last thing I remember was the sound of my screams echoing through the forest as I was dragged away into the darkness. I woke up like quite some hours later, I couldn't tell you how long it was, disoriented and completely confused in the woods and with no memory of how I got there or what happened. To this day, I have never returned to Anastasia State Park, and I don't think I ever will. It took me quite a few hours to finally figure out where I was during the daytime hours, and luckily, I was able to follow a trail of smoke from a local campfire, so eventually I did find help. I will never, ever return to that area though. The memory, it still haunts me at night, and I've learned to never underestimate the dangers of exploring unknown territories alone, but I really don't know what happened to me that night. What, whatever that shadow was, I don't know. Why I Quit My Job as a Park Ranger by Turbo Baker 67 I've been a park ranger for over 15 years, and I've seen some pretty strange things in my time. But nothing could have prepared me for what I saw that night in the state park. It was late, and I was making my rounds, checking the various campsites and hiking trails. That's when I stumbled upon the remains of a dead bear, it looked like I had been mauled by something much bigger and more powerful. I took a few pictures to document the scene and send it to the higher-ups for investigation. The last thing we needed was a giant cannibal bear around. As I was about to leave the area, something caught my eye. A shadowy figure moving in the trees nearby just out of my line of sight. I figured it had to be some deer or something like that, so I approached slowly, trying not to startle it. But as I got closer... I realized this indeed was no deer, it was something much more grotesque. It had the body of a man but the face of a bear. Its eyes glowed a bright red, and its teeth were long and sharp. 
It was covered in thick, matted fur and smelled like death. I froze in terror as the creature began to growl and snarl. I knew I had to leave, but my legs just wouldn't carry me away. It was like they were rooted to that spot. That's when the creature charged at me. I tried to run, but it was far too fast. It tackled me to the ground, and I felt its hot breath on my face. I thought I was going to die right then and there. But as fast as it had attacked me, it ran into the woods, leaving me shaken and scared. I don't know why. As I tried to collect myself and the radio for backup, I, I, I couldn't help but feel like something was watching me. Like this thing wasn't actually gone, you know? The feeling of being followed just never left me, even as I drove away from that state park. I tried to shake it off as just my nerves, but something about the encounter with that creature had left a deep mark on me. Over the next few days, I dug into the park's history to find any records of strange sightings or reports of animals acting oddly. That's when I stumbled upon an old newspaper article from the mid-1950s. It talked about a group of loggers who had gone missing in the woods never to be seen again. The article described how some loggers had reported seeing some strange creatures with a man's body and a bear's face in the woods before disappearing. I couldn't even believe what I was reading. Was it possible that the creature I had encountered was the same thing that had been reported all those years ago? Or maybe it was just one of his children or something. I knew I had to investigate further to figure this out. So I did return to that area where I had seen the creature, armed with a camera and a flashlight. I searched the woods for hours to find evidence of its existence. That's when I stumbled upon a cave. It was hidden behind a large boulder. I would have missed it if I hadn't paid more attention. I cautiously approached the cave, shining my flashlight inside. What I saw made my blood run cold. The cave was littered with bones, some of them clearly human. The air was thick with the stench of death, and I could hear something breathing deep within the darkness. I knew I had to get out of there before this thing would get me and not spare me like it did before. As I turned to leave, I swear I, I just had this feeling of being watched all over again. As I began to turn to leave, something grabbed my ankle. I fell to the ground and my flashlight flew out of my hand. I could feel something trying to pull me back into the cave, dragging me towards the darkness. I fought with all my strength, kicking and screaming, and eventually I was able to break free and run from the cave. The only thing I lost in that process was one of my hiking boots. I stumbled into the daylight, gasping for air. I never turned back, I never looked back, and I never even went back to that state park. I, I quit right then and there on the spot, and I left. And I forever will feel this deep dread. I, I was just lucky enough to make it out alive twice. To this day, I still wonder what that creature is, whether it's still out there in the woods waiting for its next victim, and where it even came from. I'm a park ranger who's seen my fair share of horrible things. By Horror Writer 1717. I'm a park ranger who's seen my share of horrible things. Somewhere along the line, being a park ranger became a lot more complicated than riding around in a truck, giving people directions, and checking fishing licenses. I can point to one event that started me down the road to losing my naivety, to becoming something more. I never used to believe in cryptids, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, Skinwalkers, and all that stuff. They were just things of dreams, creepypastas, and things that salesmen looking to cash in on those who didn't know any better. At the time, I was working at a park with beautiful mountains and rivers and lakes to enjoy. 
The park itself was massive, miles upon miles of forest separated by single roads running through the middle. It was a hiker's dream and a ranger's nightmare. There were many pull-offs with incredibly scenic views that people would take advantage of. If I could have charged a nickel for every car pulled over to take a picture, I would have been a millionaire years ago. If I had been given a bonus every time I had to help rescue a hiker that went off the trail and got lost or fell over the edge of a ravine, I'd have quite a nest egg too. But that's, that's the job. You take the good with the bad, and the bad can get downright horrible. I was walking a trail, as rangers are supposed to do, and came across a campsite. It was nothing spectacular. Five tents set up in a clearing just off the trail. It seemed odd right away though, because all the tents were zippered up. Being almost noon, I didn't think hikers out here this far would be the kind to lay in a tent for half the day. So I cleared my throat loudly and announced that I was a park ranger and wanted to see if they needed any assistance. The sounds of the forest were the only answer I got back. I announced myself again, hoping to see a head pop out of one of the tents and say they were okay, and to tell me to bug off, but that didn't happen. Finally, I knocked on one of the tents and asked if everything was okay. Receiving no answer, I slowly unzipped the tent. The inside was immaculate and tidy. Everything was folded and in its place. Food was sealed up and a sleeping bag was laid on the ground. It looked like someone had gotten up early, tidied their tent to go for a stroll. I checked the other tents and they were the exact same way. No mess, no sign of anything wrong. I put my hand over the embers of the charred wood in the fire ring. It was warm as if someone had only used it a couple of hours prior. It was an unseasonably warm October day. The sun was shining brightly overhead and the temperatures were already in the 70s. I had brought my jacket but left it in the truck back at the trailhead, never thinking I would need it on a beautiful day like today. After checking the tents and finding them all in order, I resealed them and went on my way. At the time, I saw no need for an alarm. The scene looked like a group who had gone hiking for the day. I continued down the trail, enjoying the sunshine and watching for anyone needing help. Hours later, I came through on the path somewhat mystified. This was one of our most popular trails, yet I hadn't seen a single soul on it the entire day. It was odd, but still nothing I needed to report or raise any concern about. I returned to the camp only to find it in the same condition I'd left it. I knocked on one of the tents again and got no answer. I opened one up and found everything as I had left it. It was getting close to sundown and I was concerned that the campers were nowhere to be found. The campsite was high up and you could see from quite a bit from there. The trail split on one side and went to a river while the other side dead-ended after somewhat tricky climbs over to an overlook that ended on a cliff. I was concerned for the campers and would have felt much better if they had been back at their camp. Visions of one of them sliding down into the ravine and the other four trying to rescue them danced through my head. I reached for my radio but decided against it. I walked the rest of the way back to the trailhead to see if there were cars. The group might have decided to go for breakfast or lunch and decided to leave their gear out here. I found four cars in my ranger truck when I got to the trailhead. Now I was starting to worry. I called it in on my radio and gave descriptions and license numbers, just in case. They all came back as being registered to local kids in their 20s. They had a weekend camping trip with a group of friends. The only thing that was missing though was that that group of friends. Where could they be? I checked that thought, hoping they weren't missing. I grabbed my jacket and flashlight from the truck since the setting sun had already dropped the temperature several degrees. Then I went back down to the trail, looking for any clues from where these kids could have gone. 
As I approached the campsite, I mentally crossed my fingers that they would all be sitting around the campfire and chuckling at the silly ranger who thought they were lost. That didn't happen. By the time I got back to their campsite, it was nearly dark. I rechecked the tents, this time looking more closely for clues where they might have gone. But if they left anything behind to hint at their whereabouts at all, I didn't find it. I called in on the radio and reported that the group hadn't returned to their site. The ranger I talked to was also concerned. Just like in many other parks, there were wild animals that roamed around. I thought they could have fallen victim to one. There would have at least been a sign of a struggle though, right? But when I walked the trail earlier, I hadn't seen anything. Suddenly, the nightly sound ceased. All the animals, the insects chirping, walking, and raising a racket in the forest weren't silent. It was terrifyingly still. My senses went on high alert. I shone my flashlight around the campsite and the forest beyond, but I couldn't see anything but trees. As I scanned the area with my light, I looked around a bit more, then heard a soft footstep behind me. I tried to understand which direction it was coming from, and what was making the sound. As I searched, my hand found the can of pepper spray on my belt, and I pulled it out. Instinctively, I shook the can and held it ready in case a bear or some other predator appeared out of the woods with less than friendly intentions. My light drifted as I waited to hear another sound. The silence was oppressive. My breathing was so loud it nearly made up for the loss of any animal sounds. I listened to another step and another. I tried to focus on it, but I couldn't see anything. The steps weren't getting closer or farther away. They seemed to be circling me. I was being stopped. I wanted to use my radio, but that meant putting down the flashlight or the pepper spray. I didn't want to sacrifice the light or defense. I decided to switch things up and go on the offense. I stepped towards the last place I heard the footsteps. I wasn't being quiet about it either. I tromped on the leaves, broke sticks, and generally let whatever it was known that I was coming. I'm not sure if that was the most brilliant move, but I wanted to get the stalker out of the stalking mode and put it on the defensive. I didn't hear any more footsteps. Of course, that could have been because I was making a racket of my own. The tree line approached rapidly and I was forced to make a decision. Do I continue into the trees and lose visibility or do I stay in the false safety of the clearing? I knew in the back of my mind that this was a predator bent on making me its prey. There was no safety. I stood at the edge of the clearing and waited. I could hear a faint sound of breathing. It was slow and deep. Whatever was out there was big, but it wasn't moving. We stood there in our silent standoff, unsure of what the other would do. Waiting was not to my advantage, though. If this thing had done something to the campers, there was no reason to think it wouldn't do the same to me. Out here in the middle of nowhere, where even light was scarce, there was no safety against a creature with unknown intentions. I felt the thing move. There was a whisper of a breeze. I knew it was coming. I aimed my pepper spray in the sound's direction and sprayed a burst. For a moment, there was silence and then suddenly an exhale. It was much closer than I had thought. I aimed where it had been and sprayed for another burst. This time, there was a definite reaction. It let out a terrifying roar so close I felt the wind and smelled the stench of death from it. I risked spraying back and forth over the area where I thought it was. Every nerve in my body was screaming for me to run, but I kept pouring, starting to cough myself from the cloud of chemicals that blew back on me when it roared. The roar stopped at the same time the can sputtered. I stood defenseless, I didn't dare run. That was like the sounding of a dinner bell. 
I threw the can toward the creature with exhausted pepper spray, grabbed my radio and called for help. I'm out here on Beggar's Trail where I found those abandoned tents. I said quickly, not knowing how many seconds it would take until the creature attacked. I've come across an unidentified predator. What kind of predator? The ranger answered back. I rolled my eyes wondering about the word unidentified. She didn't understand. I'm not sure I didn't get a look at it. Is there any sign of the campers? None. I said. It's like they've up and vanished. No sign of a struggle, but this predator showed me a clue of what might have happened. Are you safe? No. Then get out of there and we'll get together a search party in the morning. Roger that. I said, not having to be told twice to leave this place. I backed away from the edge of the woods, never taking my eyes off the tree line. Once I returned to the camp, I turned and started walking fast towards the trail. I said walking, but it was more of a, a walking run, a power walk if you will. I didn't want to break into an entire run, even though my mind was screaming at me to get the hell out of there as fast as possible. I power walked down the trail, keeping my senses alert and my eyes darting back and forth between both sides of the course. It didn't do much good to look anyway. My flashlight lit up the middle of the trail and the sides were dominated by shadows that danced and jumped as my flashlight moved. This didn't help me out of panic mode either. After a few minutes, I thought I heard something in the wood behind me. I spun around for a glance, but never stopping my momentum, nearly tripping on a branch across the trail. After that, I stopped looking back, but I was sure I heard something back there. I upped my pace to the fastest walk possible. I could see the trailhead looming ahead of me. I knew from watching horror movies that this was the time when the victim was often caught. Right when they were approaching safety, I threw everything to the wind and ran the last hundred yards to the truck. I threw myself in and started it in one smooth motion. I honestly don't remember putting it in drive, stomping on the gas, and doing more than 180 all the way down the road. I slammed on the brakes on the first turn and glanced back in the rearview mirror. I swear I saw a set of red glowing eyes staring at me. I didn't know if they were red because of the brake lights or not, but I didn't really care to find out. When I was a mile down the road, I eased off the gas and tried to get my breathing back to a normal pace. I tried to think about why I had been so scared. I had no proof that this animal wanted to hurt me, or that it had anything to do with the missing campers, but still something was nagging in the back of my mind telling me that if I had not gotten out of there, I would not be alive right now to share this story. I briefly stopped at the ranger station to talk to the ranger on duty, then went home to get some sleep. I knew tomorrow was going to be a long day. When I returned to the station the following morning after a very short and restless night, there were already more cars there than usual. I walked in to the head ranger, talking about the search party. I was assigned to the leading group since I was the first on the scene. I wasn't sure how I really felt about that. Of course, it made me proud that I would be picked to be leading the group, but I also had reservations about returning to that campsite. I was sure that I had dodged a bullet last night, and I wasn't sure how many more chances like that I would get before my luck ran out in this life. The head ranger gave me the floor, and I quickly reported yesterday's events. I left out the monster. I found out I was also assigned to the group that had a specialist, a tracker that had been brought in from another state just for the search. I was happy to have the help, hoping she would be able to find the campers while there was still something left to see. Before we left, I went to the storeroom, grabbed two extra cans of pepper spray, and replaced the one I had emptied yesterday. We then got to the trailhead, and the cars were all still there. I found it creepy, but I guess I would have been 
a bit freaked out if they were suddenly gone. Might have been a little bit more perplexing. It was interesting trying to fit an additional five vehicles in the parking lot that was designated to hold only six cars. I got out and put my backpack on as the rest of the team did the same. The rest of the group had idle chit-chat, but I was quiet. I felt better because it was morning and light out, plus there were more people around me, but the nagging thought wouldn't go away. The campers had the same amount of people when they're gone. The tracker pulled out a map and laid it out on the hood of the car. We gathered around as she laid out the plan to split into two teams. She and I would check out the campsite while the other three rangers would continue on the trail searching for clues. We all headed out together. Once we got to the camp, the three others kept going while the tracker and I stayed behind. She paused and looked over the entire site, slowly panning from left to right. I stayed behind and kept quiet so as not to disturb her. As we moved into the campsite, she would often pause and look closely at the ground, even lying down at one point and looking across the floor. When we had done a slow, methodical walkthrough, she paused and took a drink from her canteen. Did you find anything? I said, startling myself with the sound of my own voice. The birds and insects had began making noise, but we hadn't spoken since we had gotten out of our vehicles over a mile away. I didn't find any campers, if that's what you're asking, she said. No signs of a struggle. That's what I thought too, I replied, unsure if I was qualified to exchange notes with the person or not. She stared at me for a long moment, making me wonder if I had offended her with my simple observation. How long ago were you here? She said. Around noon yesterday is when I first discovered the campsite. And what do you find odd about that? I looked around, not noticing anything odd but feeling like this was some pop quiz the teacher was pulling on me, and I hadn't studied. I did a full pass through looking at everything, but I did not see what she was looking for. I don't know. I finally admitted, slumping my shoulders. The tents, she said. They're still here. They're, they're still in perfect condition. I looked at the tents and thought, so what? She must have seen my confusion. There are bears and other animals in this park, correct? Of course, I said, still not following. Don't you think they would have at least explored these tents looking for food? The light bulb went off. We weren't looking for just what happened, but what hadn't happened. Why wouldn't they? I said to myself. You reported that you heard a predator last night, right? I nodded, not liking where this was going. Where were you and where did you see it? She said. I hesitated, looking around the camp trying to get my bearings. It was over this way, I said, slowly stepping between the tents. I had just checked the tents for the second time when the birds and insects suddenly went silent. She stopped me. What? The birds stopped chirping and the insects stopped carrying on, I said. It was quite unnerving to be in such immediate and total silence. I'm sure, she said with a far-off look. I looked around but didn't see anything, I said. Then I heard a footstep. Just one? Yeah, it was kind of creepy. What then? I started toward the sound, then heard more footsteps. I said as we walked toward the trees. They weren't coming toward me, they were more encircling me. Did you hear anything else? When I got close to the edge of the tree line, I swear, I could hear, I could hear breathing. She stopped me as we came to the tree line. You were close enough to hear it breathe? I nodded. She looked me up and down as if seeing me for the first time. And you had no idea what it was? I didn't see anything with the light, and the roar was so loud it was hard to identify. It roared at you? After I sprayed it with pepper spray, she stared at me for a long moment. 
for an instant. She looked as though she wanted to say something but then went into the trees searching for tracks. I left her to do her thing and stood back to be out of her way. After circling several trees, she started more profound into the woods, seeming like she was following a path I could not see. Did you find something? I said quietly after we had gone a dozen yards into the forest. She nodded, not looking up. I couldn't resist the urge to ask. What, what was it? She stopped and turned toward me, looking several shades paler than before. You don't want to know. That's all she said. I looked around the forest that seemed to be closing in on me. I could feel the same fear grab me by the base of my spine like last night when I was power walking toward my truck. A am I lucky to be alive? I said, not needing the answer. Try not to think about it, she said without looking up. I spent the rest of the day doing just that. The more I tried not to think about it, the more I thought about it. We had started level when she was first on the invisible trail. However, as we went, the ground started to go more and more downhill toward an angle that became more of a steep downhill angle and eventually a treacherous downhill slide. We had to hang on to trees and dig our heels in so we wouldn't tumble down the hill. I could see the river below, but it was a good hundred yards to the bottom and there was no way to slide or roll without hitting several trees on the way down. If we slipped or lost our footing, there was no way we would not sustain severe, even life-threatening injuries. She led us down the invisible trail until we were halfway down the hill. Then she took a turn, and we cut straight across the mountain. I thought how much easier this was when my foot slipped and I nearly tumbled down the hill. Luckily, I grabbed a sapling on my way down, and it halted my fall. She came down to me and helped me back up. I was about to say thank you when she put her finger to my lips. I took the hint and didn't say a thing. She pointed further along the trail and could see we were heading straight toward a cave. The river was louder now. We were a little closer. Because of that, I hadn't noticed the birds were no longer singing. She must have seen it too. She crawled over to another tree and sat against it, then slowly and quietly began covering herself with fallen leaves and loose brush to hide. Following her lead, I did the same thing. When we finished, I could barely see her. We sat there for a few minutes. I was desperately searching all around for anything moving. I quietly got one of the cans of pepper spray and held it at the ready. I knew the only reason it worked last night was that I had the element of surprise. If I sprayed whatever creature this was today, it might end up ripping off my arm. But at least I knew it worked once. As we sat there, I was starting to get antsy. I could feel ants crawling on me. I tried moving to slowly brush them away. When I glanced over at her, she glared at me. Once she had caught my eye, she slowly shook her head a minuscule amount, just enough for me to get the message and stop moving. It wasn't long after that I heard the footsteps again. This time, they weren't trying to be quiet. I could feel them in the ground. I tried looking toward the cave, but the leaves that camouflaged me also blocked most of my vision. I could only see a small patch of trees directly in front of me 20 feet away. In the end, that may have been for the best. I caught a small glimpse of the creature and didn't want to see the rest of it. If I had, I might have run away in terror, even though I was hidden. What I saw was massive. I was mystified how it could walk on the hillside without sliding down the river. That was the thought that kept me from panicking. How can this thing balance without sliding into the river? It was a stupid thought, but it kept me from freaking out. I held my breath as it walked past me. I, I don't know if it knew I was there. And maybe it was just toying with me. 
I closed my eyes and waited for this thing to stop, turn, and lunge at me. A few minutes later, I was still waiting. I felt a hand on my shoulder, and it was all I could do to not scream. The tracker held her hand over my mouth until she knew I wouldn't yell. She motioned me to follow her, and we headed toward the cave. The whole time I was shooting furtive glances over my shoulder, waiting for this thing to come back. When we got to the mouth of the cave, I tugged her on her shoulder. What if there's another one inside? I whispered. I felt her stiffen. We'll just have to go slow and see, she whispered back. We peeked around the edge of the entrance. I didn't see anything, but it was rather dark inside. There was no choice. We had to use our flashlights. If there was another creature in there, we would be revealing ourselves. I sighed deeply and turned on my flashlight, instantly regretting it. The cave was large. I could easily stand up in it. It had several feet of headroom. In the center was a depression with the remains of burned pieces of wood together where there had been a fire at one point. But the real shock was when we shone our lights around. The walls of the cave were dark red but not solid red. There were splatter marks all over. In one spot, a bloody handprint slid down the wall as if someone was trying to escape and was pulled back. My mind went wild, imagining the horrors that had gone on in this cave. I had not noticed the smell at first, probably because I was more worried about dying. But now that I did, it was a horrid stench. Rotting flesh combined with other bodily fluids and puddles on the floor made my stomach do flip-flops. I did everything I could do to not retch. I pulled my radio and called back to the station, giving them our GPS coordinates and telling them to have all teams converge at this location. Almost as an afterthought, I told them to bring a tranquilizer gun and shotguns loaded with slugs. The cavalry is on the way, I said. That's great, but don't you think we should find some bodies first? I looked around and she was correct. There was every piece of evidence pointing to there being bodies except actual bodies. We looked around, but there didn't seem to be any place to hide anything. She told her light ab She moved her light around, looking carefully at the walls when she suddenly found a passageway hidden due to the natural angle of the wall. We started back to the passageway. It was wide and tall. We could have easily walked side by side and still had room. When we got to the end, what we found... We unfortunately found what we were looking for. The passageway opened up into another room, a pile of dirt, leaves, and grass covered in the corner... It could have passed for a bed. In the other corner, there was a pile of bones. Beside it was clothing. Lots of clothing. I stepped over to the rise of clothes and dug through them, finding a pair of pants that still had a wallet. I pulled it out and checked the driver's license. It was a name I recognized. I think I may have found one of our hikers, I said. She didn't answer. I looked over, and she was shining her flashlight down into a hole in the floor. I may have found the rest. She said wide-eyed. I took my backpack off, put the wallet in it, and then went over to see what she was looking at. In the hole were more bodies. One of them was still moving, just barely. Help me. I heard a weak call come from one of them. We'll help you. I called down, leaning over the edge to go down into the hole. What are you doing? She grabbed me by the shoulder, pulling me back. I'm going to help. Look down there, she said, flashing her light into the hole. This has to be 15 feet deep. How are you planning on getting anyone out? They could never even reach the top, even if they stood on your shoulders. I looked down and realized she was absolutely right. Feeling helpless, I looked around the cave and then I had an idea. I went to the pile, pulled out my hunting knife and started cutting the clothes from the bones. 
I took two pairs of pants and then tied them together. Then I tied a shirt to them. We had made a makeshift rope at least 20 feet in length. We tossed the end into the hole and told her to grab on. We sat our flashlights down, aiming them at the spot and started pulling. But soon the rope gave way and we fell backward. What happened? The tracker said. I'm not strong enough to keep a hold, the woman in the hole said. Okay, tie it around your waist this time, I said. After a minute, she was ready. We pulled her again, but this time she didn't come loose halfway up. We got her to the top and untied her. She screamed at the top of her lungs, what's wrong? She pointed behind us and there stood the creature. It was more hideous than anything I'd ever seen. It looked like someone had skinned a Bigfoot and gave it tusk. It was massive. Its head, it nearly touched the ceiling of the cave. I pulled out my knife and can of pepper spray, but the creature moved impossibly fast and swiped them away. The can landed in the corner of a pile of bones. I watched helplessly as my knife clattered and then bounced into the hole. It came at me, slashing claws at the air, just missing my jugular. As I backpedaled, I stumbled, and then I was in the air. The ground came rushing up to smash me into the back, knocking the wind out of me. I looked up and realized I was in the hole. Before I could regain my breath, a body fell on top of me, evacuating my breath again. Not only could I not breathe, but I also couldn't see either. I had no idea as of which of the two women had fallen on top of me. It wasn't long until I found another body land on top of the pile, making the point moot. I was faced with a decision. Do I try to find my flashlight so I can at least see where I am in the condition of the woman, let alone where the creature is, or do I play dead? Again, the decision was rendered moot as I heard another impact. This one wasn't the limp body thudding into a pile. This was a deliberate choice to land on two feet, paws, or whatever this thing had. The creature's breathing filled the room. It echoed back, making it sound like a herd of them that had surrounded me and closed in. There was no way for me to push the weight of the two bodies off of me without bringing attention to myself. I could hear the creature slowly circling. I had no idea how its night vision was, but I prayed it wasn't any better than mine. If it were waiting to hear me move, I would be as still as possible. The only exception was my hand slowly moving to the small flashlight in my pocket. I had no idea what help a flashlight would be at this point, but it was better than laying there waiting to die. The sounds of breaking bone punctuated the creature's footsteps. The fact that there was no cries of pain told me it was too late for everyone in this place. Once there, there was no escape, unless a couple of rangers blunder in and get you out, only to have the creature throw you right back in. In retrospect, that was quite a tease. Breathing quietly was becoming a problem. The weight of two bodies on me didn't help me. Fortunately, my fingers had reached the bottom of my pocket and I grabbed the small flashlight. I slowly pulled it out, trying to be as silent as possible. In the end, it didn't matter when one of the women on top of me groaned. I heard the creature pause and then start in our direction. I knew it was now or never. I aimed the flashlight as best as I could while surrounded by darkness and only using sound. It stepped right up to us and I could feel the weight lift off me. My relief was short-lived as I heard a sickening snap that could only be the sound of a neck breaking, followed by a thud of a body hitting the ground. Next, I heard a gasp as the body directly on top of me was lifted. I knew she was about to share the same fate. I turned on the flashlight and aimed it at the creature's face. Thankfully, it dropped her and roared in fear or pain. I moved away from that spot as quickly as possible and turned the light off before it could recover and track me down. 
Once again, silence reigned as it tried to listen to my movements, but I was still as a stone. I hadn't made it far, maybe a dozen feet before I shut off the light and froze. For a long moment, neither of us made a sound. It was unnerving. I held my breath, fearing even that would give it away. Then I heard it take a step. I locked in and turned on my light, hitting it in the face and making it roar again. The downside was it was not as far away as I wanted. It zeroed in on me quickly and charged. I turned off the light and dove to the side, trying to run but tripping and falling over a pile of bones. I hit the ground hard with a solid thud that I knew would give away my position, not that it mattered. At this point it was so close, all it had to do was reach out and tear me to pieces. I lay there waiting for death, listening to its labored breathing, and decided to at least see when the thing was coming to get me. I turned on my light and shone it at the creature. It didn't roar, it didn't move. What trick is this? I thought. I stood keeping my light on the creature the whole time. It was lying beside the wall of the cave. A significant dent in the wall looked just as if it were the same size as the top of its head. Apparently during the last charge it had rammed its head into the wall and knocked itself unconscious. I shined the light around the room desperately searching through the carnage of human parts. When I saw a glint of metal, I followed the sight of my knife sticking out from the back of a victim. I recoiled in horror when I saw the level of decay of the corpse. My knife hadn't caused his death. I pulled the knife out of the corpse and hurried back to the creature. I knew there would be only a few seconds left for me to be able to kill it and maybe bring it back to somebody who would study it. But also, who would say it had every right to live as much as I had? I leaned down and slit its throat. Then I stabbed it repeatedly through the back and in different places, trying to hit as many vital organs as possible. I slashed and stabbed with every ounce of rage in me. I screamed as I turned the creature into a hamburger, and it still wasn't enough. Adrenaline surged as I dismembered this thing from the bowels of hell. Finally, I collapsed. I had no energy left and I fell to the floor covered in blood and lay beside this thing. As my lungs heaved and screamed into the air, I heard a commotion in the cave above. Lights played along the walls. Lights invaded the cave. I could hear the gasp of shock and disgust as the other rangers saw what was down in the pit. With maximum effort, I slowly raised my arm. Over here! We've got a live one! I heard someone say. The clamoring of people trying to get into and out of the hole was all I heard as I looked around the now lit room and saw how many bodies littered the floor. They pulled me out and took me to a hospital. Just tell me it's dead, was all I could say according to witnesses. I wouldn't know. Everything from when they found me into the next day, waking up in a hospital bed was a blur. With a few fractured ribs and general exhaustion being my diagnosis, I was able to walk out in a couple of days. But before I did, there was one other survivor in the hospital I wanted to visit. The woman we pulled out of the pit was the only true survivor of the Cave of Horrors. She was in critical condition, but expected to pull through. I talked to her. She was one of the hikers we were looking for. She told me they had decided to go for a walk on the trail when the creature took them one by one. It would sneak up behind them and grab them. Two of her friends were gone before she knew it. They searched all over but couldn't find them. So they started back and the creature took another from the end of the line. The last two were her and her boyfriend. It stalked them and took them at the same time. She squeezed my hand as tears flowed down her cheeks. I don't want to say anything about what happened in that cave, she said. I don't want to remember anything about it. She pulled me close and we hugged for a good minute. When she pulled away, all she could do was say, thank you. You're welcome, I said, unable to find anything else to say. I left the hospital and went to the station. The head ranger told me to go home, but I needed to know how things had ended. 
You don't want to hear this right now, he said. Yes, I do. He sighed and handed me the report. A total of 26 dead bodies were found in the cave, including the ranger who was with me. In stunning irony, the creature's last victim was the ranger who had tracked it to its lair and led it to its death. The creature was mutilated beyond any hope of identification. There was speculation that it may have been some genetic mutation of a bear or some other large predator. I didn't care what it was as long as it was dead and there were no more like it. That doesn't exactly go with the ranger's job of keeping all creatures safe, but I didn't care. That thing needed to die. I still work as a ranger in that same park. The investigation showed that I was acting on self-preservation and the preservation of others. I'm okay with it, but I do carry that knife that I use to kill the thing every single day. I never wash the blood off the blade. I'm hoping the scent to be a deterrent to other predators. That and the 44 Magnum I carry now as a sidearm. I watch things more closely now when I'm on patrol. I wait for another one of those things to appear every day. I wait and I hope I'm the one who gets to kill it. You could say the creature made me what I am today. A hunter. A killer. A monster. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true park ranger horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Now, I always love a good park ranger horror story, and I hope you really enjoyed these. And if you did, be sure to slap up that like button for your good old boy Swamp Dweller. It helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and the more fresh eyes can come and join and subscribe and turn on notifications so the swamp can keep growing those ever-expanding waters. I really appreciate every single one of you. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but you still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. That helps me pick out better stories in the future, and it lets me know what stuff you're liking more. Anyways, I very much appreciate all of you supporting the swamp the way you do. Be sure to join me over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And if you haven't yet, be sure to comment the code word that I'm about to give you right now. Black Ninja Bird. Be sure to comment that down below. Confuse anybody who doesn't make it to the end. The funniest comment, as always, will get pinned at the top. And I appreciate you guys. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy episode.